When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to special guests about their paranormal history. And share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And your producer, Riley Bray. And big news, guys. Yes. We found Bigfoot. We got him. It's done. He's here in the studio. He's here. Wait, where'd he go? Oh. oh we just had him, we swear. He left a footprint on the floor. Right there. Oh, wow. That's yeah, somebody all we get need. the Bryce, go cook up the plaster. We got to get <laughs> that. Well, we had him for a minute and he got through our fingers once again. But uh, in the meantime, I guess we'll just hang out here with celebrity guests. Uh, this week, we have um, perhaps one of the worst actors we've ever had on the show. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, this guy, he's a very talented actor. Hell Not only yeah. is he just... He's he can be dramatic, he can be funny, he can be sexy, he can be goofy. Wow, what a one eighty from the I first mean, thing he said. <laughs> uh, he's a good friend of mine. I work with him on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. He's been in Greek. He was on a show about oil in Texas. What was that called? It was, it was called Blood and Oil. Blood and Oil. <laughs> it wasn't in Texas. It wasn't in Texas. It was set in um, Alaska, North, North Dakota. Oh, North oh, Dakota. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was the problem. If you'd set it in Texas. Oh, sure. That's that's always a yeah. That's always a sure thing. Yeah, right. Sure. Oil in North Dakota. Yeah. Um, like the X Files that took place in Texas, or Golden Girls, or Roseanne. You've discovered the formula. Oh, you're yeah. just making right. stuff up. Yeah. Crazy ex girlfriend takes place in Texas. Uh, uh-huh. Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah. Miami Texas. Vice is in yeah. Texas. Wow. Uh, I did order. not know this. Yeah. Law and Order is in mm-hmm. Texas. I'm mm-hmm. from Texas. I didn't know any of this. Oh, oh well, shit. We better should. back away. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Scott. Michael Foster. Yeah. Hi, oh buddy. How are you? What's going on? It's funny because when you walked in, you said we hadn't seen each other in a while, but I talk to you every single I know. day. We talk all the time over over, over the, headphones. Over this feels very natural. I know. Listening to your voice in, in cans <laughs> on my head feels like the way we're supposed to communicate. Uh, you you know, the, what would just make it better is if you hear me yelling at my dogs to stop barking mm-hmm. at the <laughs> neighbors as they walk by. Yeah. Or Scott, you taking a pee break. Yeah, every, taking a pee, every pee break. We've done that. Yep. <laughs> you have a very healthy flow, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Scott and I, we like to play uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 together. Yes. Oh, nice. Um, where we spend at least, I'd say, three nights a week. Sure. You know, at for least an hour or two. hour or two, three nights a week. Yeah. It's a hobby. I mean, at this point, it's a hobby. It's a it's, hobby. It's not just pastime. It's, it's a, a bonding experience. Yeah, man. Yep. We've been. Uh, We've had highs and lows. Highs and lows. Yeah. And last the, night was a low. Last night we had a bad low. Last real night. low. I yeah. was real. Sometimes I really feel like I let you down. No, 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 no. We, I, I. It was bad. All we were, we were facing up against some really good, talented. Yeah. <laughs> 
Darth Mauls, yeah, and Darth Vader's. The problem is, so we've like to play a lot of talent. We've been focusing on Hero Showdown, where you are put in Jabba's palace. This is so inside baseball. I know, right? Hopefully, some of our listeners will understand. But there's a thing that happens uh, where if you're good guys, sometimes I like to be Ray. He likes to be Luke. Mm-hmm. I'm discovering I'm pretty good at Yoda. Yeah, and that's that's, that's and Chewbacca too. Yeah, milestones. That's nice. Uh, but sometimes the the bad guys, especially the Sith lords, they run in a They're pack, tough. and They're they will tough. just wail on you. And you and have there's no, no choice. There's yeah. no right. escape. Yeah. None. 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 So yeah. uh, we, uh, but we have fun. We do. And uh, we do have fun. We come up, we have inside jokes that we won't mm-hmm. get into. We come up with little songs. Yep. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> we'll sing the themes <laughs> to Star Wars over uh, the headphones. There's, yeah. And substitute words like bagels and cream. It's bagels and cream. Do- cream. Don- bagels and cream. <laughs> cream. We also do that works actually don- pretty well. Donkey Dong is another one. Donkey Dong. Donk, Donk, Donkey Dong. I mean, listen, it's endless <laughs> hours of entertainment. Guys. Can we get a Roger Roger? <laughs> Roger, Roger. Yeah. Roger, Roger. Yeah. Pretty good. Or, or, Pretty good. Are you offering me a job? Are you offering me a job? That's my Ray impersonation. Are you offering me a job? That's uh, so good. Now I want to play. <laughs> Let's just skip this and play some Battlefield. I want to watch That'd you play. So oh, it's a blast. <laughs> it's a good time. Every now and then, Burl Mosley from Crazy sure, Ex-Girlfriend sure. stops by. We'll he doesn't gym. have the game. No. He'll just stop by and say hello because yeah. he sees we're on. On the headset. Yeah. He'll be like, hey, guys. Uh, no. Anyway, wow. that's all. That's all. That's you know what? That's man's world talk. <laughs> that's we need to talk about That's a new, new segment. Talk. Man's world. <laughs> Out there is Bigfoot's world. In here, this man. is man's world. Man's world. <laughs> so, a lot of good female uh, gamers, yeah. man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I just meant like the human world yes. versus oh, paranormal. The paranormal world. Sure. Like, uh, the, there's Sasquatch's uh, world, and then there's man's world. There's which, a lot of good Sasquatch gamers, though. I bet so. Ooh, hey, I'm just hit saying. us up. Um, I'm not going to tell you my <laughs> my moniker. Although, why, 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 why yeah. not? Why not? Well, whatever. Yeah. We'll talk, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I don't know. We have a good thing going on. I, I don't want to spoil it. I do like, though, this is my first time being here. I do like, though, that um, for the Bigfoot Collectors Club, you guys record in literally a cabin in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I rolled up, I was like, oh, man, I'm glad we're doing this during the daytime. Totally. <laughs> We've done movie. You'll have to come to our next movie night. Yeah. It's yeah. You actually need to come. Uh, it is a great time. Actually, I'm making that official right now. Okay. We're, you're going to come do a movie night I'm with in. us. I'm in. Um, we'll have one for June. Uh, we'll figure that out after this is all wrapped up. Perfect. Because it is a blast. There's like crickets and frogs. I saw the and... video of you and Pete and Bryce. You guys took a video of you guys hanging out afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, it is so dark right yeah. there. We got a little... I can't believe we're in Los Angeles. This is bizarre. It's I incredible. know. I feel like it's we're great. in the woods. Well, that's the thing is I discovered... Uh, I met Riley. I discovered Riley in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not everything is a discovery, years. Michael. We have his footprints and everything. Well, he's si- he's seven feet tall. He's got long hair. That's true. He's living in the woods. That's I true. Fe- I think I discovered him. You should. Um, <laughs> I was doing a a podcast for Jen Kirkman over on Amazon last Christmas around Christmas time and discovered this guy <laughs> and I was like uh, I immediately texted Bryce and was like um, I found our studio for Bigfoot Collectors Club it's the place we have to be um, and it's true Amazing. it's like the I best. mean this is the place you have to be um, watch out Riley there's a tipped over coffee cup next to your co- electrical cords okay, sure close one close nice. one close crisis one, averted um, 
But uh, yeah, so that movie night with Pete Gardner, that was uh, that was our Legend of Boggy Creek, which has been up now for a few weeks over on our Patreon. Go check it out. Mm. That was a wild night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of fun. I may have had a little too much wine that night, but uh, <laughs> no, no. Did I? Yeah. So okay, I was actually if for for people listening. I kind of came in on the last recording you guys did, and I heard a little bit of that. Yes, Legend of Body Creek. Did that have anything to do with the Goatman thing? No, no. but it's very similar. So that's in Falk, Arkansas, and it was a Sasquatch that they used to see since the 1950s. Based running on a around, true story. Based on a true story, running around a creek system mm-hmm. down in the swamps in Arkansas. Yeah. So there's a lot of like local. You'll you find out as the more you get into this. Uh, there's a lot of like local Sasquatch well, in like rural towns. I was just, after I got the Wi-Fi code, because we're in the middle of the woods up here, mm-hmm. after I got the Wi-Fi code, I was looking up the story you guys were talking about, and it the turns Lake out... Worth Monster. The Lake Worth Monster. But they called him Goatman. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. or and the I, Greer Island Goatman. Right, and I and I, a couple of things. I went on to Wikipedia, and it was like, which Goatman are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about Wisconsin Goatman? That's awesome. Are you talking about Montana's Goatman? Oh, Texas Goatman? Which Texas Goatman? Are you talking about the Lake There's Worth There's a few Goat? of them. And then I found out that the Greer Island was renamed Goatman. Goat Island. Hey, you'd be good oh, at this. Yeah. I was just, I was just, <laughs> I feel like I'm being replaced right now. <laughs> anyway, so guys, thanks for coming in. I'm going to take it from here. Uh, no, awesome. I was, I was kind of fascinated how much I was just like, there's, yeah, there's tons of this in like every locale in the Dude, country. There's yeah. legends just After all over the place. After we're done, I want you to go home and I want you to Google Dog Man. Because oh, that is a whole okay. other can of beef yeah. that you. <laughs> Can of dog food, can of Alpo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. There's, there are some. You know, there was a moment where. Listen, we're running out of stories. (laughs) No, no. I was like, no, no, no. I did have a minute this weekend where I was like. Fuck! What if we run out of stories? And that's what I was like. I don't think you can. No, yeah. you can't. God, it sounds like there's there's a, in every city in America. Yeah, there's some sort of like oh unexplainable and, phenomenon. And then there really we'll, is. We go around the world. And then you go to other planets. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> well, that's, that's my story. That's my thing. <laughs> What's that? Aliens. Aliens. That's so my you're thing. into aliens. Okay, cool. Let's oh, good. Get it. Let's ask well, you. I got what's one your, for you today. What's then? your personal paranormal history? All right. Well, actually, you know, I was talking to you last night. I was talking. I was going to ruminate on the whole, mm-hmm. you know, concept of the show. And I was like, you know, I just don't know if I have any paranormal or inexplicable, you know, thing that's happened to me. But then I remembered when I first bought my house. Happens every uh, time. About eight years ago, I just for, and this this isn't about aliens. This is something else. But I I'll, was I'll, really hoping you were oh finding an alien in the floorboards. <laughs> yeah, I it's uh, I haven't. I, I but but this is is I think equally as strange. I had lived there for about a month at this point. I had just moved in basically, and uh, I was sleeping. And it was early morning, like maybe seven thirty eight a.m. Right, and I I woke up. And I heard someone washing their hands in the bathroom. The bathroom's like the one room over from me. Hmm. And I live alone. At this point, I live alone, right? And I heard someone washing their hands. And like it sounded like they were like cleaning out a cup or something. Or they were like, wa- like getting soap and washing their hands. Like and a I- jockstrap? No, no. Like a, like a glass. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, like a beverage been. container. <laughs> it could have been a jockstrap. I don't know. <laughs> from the sound of it, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so I was like, well, what is? And then I was like, oh, you know what? 
It's probably the maid. The maid comes on Tuesdays. They're probably just really early today. So far, I got to say, you're buying a house, you got a maid. Sounds like someone's living the high life. Well, I, this was a very good year for me. Um, and uh, Blood and oil was taking off <laughs> before quickly plunging into, plunging into obscurity. Um, no, no, no. This was, this, was, hey, this was actually like the last year of a show. There's no reason for me to buy a house yeah. the last year of my show. I was like, I may never work again. I'm going to commit to 30 That's years. That's when you buy a house. That's when you buy a house. Why not? Um, anyway, so I, I like, well, and I was like, you know what? It's gotta be the maid. That's the only explanation. And I, I clearly wasn't worried enough to be like, maybe I should check, <laughs> make sure it's the maid. And I was like, I'll go back to sleep. And so I went back to sleep and I woke up around nine thirty, right? And I get up and there's no maid there. And I was mm. like, God, they were fast. Jeez. I got up and then the maid walks in the door Weird. and they were like, Hey, sorry, we're going to set up now and get going. And I was like, weren't you already here? And they're like, no, we, we, just, we, just, we just got here. And so I was like, well, what the fuck did I just hear? Who was washing the jockstrap? Wa- who was washing the cup? Whether, yeah. uh, whatever cup means to you. Did you find a cup that was clean? No, God, I wish. That would have been amazing. But I, but what I, and this is what I, the only thing that popped into my head that made sense. One. Am I too far away? There you go. I was just adjusting for you. Am I too far away or too close? <laughs> I was no, you're great. I mean, you was... were a little too, it was just tilted away from your mouth. Got it. So I was like, the only thing that made sense, the only thing that I could think, I was like, and, and, and this, in my, I'm sort of a skeptic, didn't re- really make sense, but I was told when I bought the house that like, gnomes lived there. <laughs> this is my new no. thing, by the way, gnomes. Gnomes. No, it wasn't gnomes. I, again, all great stuff, Michael, but it wasn't Thank gnomes. Um, this was... Uh, There's I no was... room for gnomes on Scott's new version of the show. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a title that has to do with gnomes, but um, anyway, uh, the realtor told me the woman who owned the house died in that. Oh. Died in that bathroom. I don't know if it was in the bathroom. Oh, died in the house. Died in the house, and they have to disclose that to you. Right. Oh wow! They have to tell you that someone of what cancer she died of cancer, oh, and she boy. was and she lived alone. And I remember thinking, I was like, I was like, I don't know why, but I mm. just I had this feeling that 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 was kind of like because she had lived there. The entire life of the house. The house was built in the 30s. Wow. She was born in the house. Oh, dude, you bought a haunted house. Yeah, and she lived there. Her parents left it to her. She lived there. She was a casting director in Los Angeles. And she lived oh, there she from must like... she be so excited. From like 1970 there. till she died in 2000, 2010. Who was this one? I don't I, mean, I don't have her name. I don't wow. remember her name. Are you still She's at that same house? Director? Yeah, I'm still there. Hmm. I'm still there. Is yeah, it she, a big casting She director? was, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I remember they told me her name, and I was like, that's the only but I never read for her anything. It's not uh, Mally Finn, was it? No. no okay, no, sorry. No. She was also a very big casting director. I could tell you that. I can, I could, we can come back and update this. Okay. I can find out the name and tell you. Oh, let's please do. Yes. That's um, a strange thing, though. But but then I was like, I, I had this weird gut feeling. You know, this feeling is like, it's totally out of nowhere. It just washes over you for a minute, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, that's a weird feeling. It's very yeah. specific. I don't know why that happened. But it was like, it was like she recently died, you know, maybe six months before this, and she was still in the house, and I was and like I was hearing her just doing her routine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I think I after that I never heard it again. I think she was kind of like, oh, the house is in good hands. I'm gonna go. Wow, like, maybe that was her. Like, I'm fine. I just had to stick around. See, if she's this like guy that wasn't one cup was the thing that I left <laughs> undone. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. this universe, on in her deathbed, she yeah. was like, "The cup, uh, uh, <laughs> what, Grandma?" <laughs> and then in her, yeah, so she had to, she had to stick around and clean the cup. But that's that's the only thing that's happened to me that I was like, I bet you that in some weird way might have been her 
spirit or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Being like, I need to stick around and make sure this house is in good hands. Once I know that it is, I can go. I think on. that happens. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised because also right now you're renting out a section of your house right. that you're not. So you're in a separate so part that, of the house. So that all all that happened upstairs. Yeah. And I'm renting that out and I'm downstairs. So I would Smart. I would not be surprised if. Uh, eventually, when you move back upstairs, mm-hmm. that every now and then something might like that might happen because it could be one of those things where uh, we've talked about ghosts that are resident ghosts and ghosts that are visit- visiting ghosts. Right. So, like a resident ghost is someone who's just like hanging around, yep, can't get there. stuck in a rut, can't yeah. get out of there. Right. And then a um, was there a knock on the door? That was my shoe. Oh boy! Oh, oh. Huh? that's a great that's knock a good sound trick. effect. I don't know in why that I shoe. did that. I um, can we? <laughs> I think full, he has a faucet sink on his shoe too. Yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah, a wait a minute. minute. And then there's the cup sound as well. <laughs> um, but uh, you might have a visitor. You might have someone who may, might drop by every now and then right. just to check in on. But see, on I things. haven't had anything. That was in 2010. Okay, I haven't had anything mm. since. Yeah. Now I I've been downstairs for the last couple of years, and then in between there, I was gone for a couple of years. Yeah. But you know, I the. Ever since that moment, nothing else has happened. That's why it felt like, that's why it felt like it was kind of like a, mm-hmm. oh, you know what, the house is in good hands. I'm gonna do this one last cup and then get out of yeah, here. I yeah, I think you know too. The thing that I always say is trust your instincts on these kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, like your gut is often is just as good of an informant as your brain is on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, so I trust that. I think that you go with that. And if that's what it felt like, then that's probably what it was. Yeah. But that was cool because I, I've, I don't really have a lot of those experiences. You know, people say that they, they'll see stuff, you know, happen or they'll hear stuff at night or they'll, you know, they'll have some weird experience. I never have any of those things. That was mm-hmm. the only one that I was like, I completely I and I kind of forgot about it. Too. Were you a kid that got scared easy? Yes. Really? Yes. That kind of surprises me. I up, very until I was 12. I don't know why. I had this thing where we lived in like outside Chicago. And I just I was so worried about the crime rate. <laughs> I don't I don't I was under 12 years old and I was wow. like I kept, I remember asking my parents all the time like what's the crime rate at right now? <laughs> and they're like why are you worrying yourself about that? And I was like, because I actually lived in a bit of a secluded area outside Chicago. We had a couple acres. There was a big lake next to us. And and a lot of times there was a, a road that had no street lights on it that would just dump off into the lake. And cars and cyclists at night would be riding and just like crash into the lake, and we would get people soaking wet, covered in blood, come to our house. Like, oh my Can god! You call okay, so now I know where this started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just, I was like, what is happening? In There's my- just a man with an axe at the end of your street. Oh, I've had nightmares, and we had a 200 foot driveway, and I, we, we, if anybody came up the driveway, it was creepy. Oh, I bet. Because all you would see is this person walking forever towards your house, <laughs> just like, oh my god, covered in blood. What do they want? Yeah, covered in blood, or like <laughs> we had someone this. Is tragic. We had someone. We had two giant trees in our front yard at the end of the road, and where we lived in, in Michigan City, Indiana, the you know the winters were freezing cold, and ice, black ice, would go on the road, and it was dark out there. And this woman, this young twenties, you know, woman, she was going on our road, probably forty five miles an hour, hit black ice, and wrapped her car around our tree, spit her out the front windshield, oh my god, and died on impact. Wow. And my Jesus. dad had to run out and like try and resuscitate her and 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 be there until the ambulance came so I'm, you literally had people like dying yeah in dying yard. and bleeding and like you know it was just i it was this Can I nightmare ask, fuel where yeah. was the county in all of this why didn't they put in some lights why didn't they put up some road because we lived in rural indiana wow i mean it was just like it was just we had the county sheriff live across the street but it was like across the street right 
it was four acres Street, away. Yeah, you know, it's a field. It was a, f- a giant field. Wow. It was just, and and that was the other thing too is, you know, you live in L.A. There's neighbors all over the place. You know, there it was dark and you couldn't see the nearest house. It was like the Scream house, mm-hmm. the movie Scream. Mm-hmm. You know, how she's like in the middle of nowhere and no mm-hmm. one can, no one's gonna come to your rescue. It was just like. Yeah, that fueled a lot of nightmares. That wow. sounds like uh, a recipe for alien abduction to me. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I would living out in that rural area. I would always be when I go visit my uh, cousins out in rural Missouri. I would always be scared of like alien abductions out there. Because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen there. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how I always felt about it. I was scared enough growing up. I, my we were in a subdivision, but it was when we first moved there. It was south of Kansas City mm-hmm. by about. 20 minutes now it's all overly developed but it was considered the sticks back then right and we had woods next to me and then a and a, a field uh next to the woods where because there was like a little airport across the the highway from where i was mm-hmm. and i always thought like that's the perfect touchdown point for <laughs> any aliens that even have that they even have like the airport like runway mm-hmm. to help help right. guys you know this is You're my like it's all brain. here it's all they here. They, everything they can they land. Need. Everything they need to land is right in my backyard. <laughs> a lot of crops. Yeah, a lot of crops. A lot of crops. Yeah. Yeah. Some Make crops. some circles. Make some circles. And then some woods to to hide themselves in before yep. they come up to my window. Yep, exactly. And scare me. Yeah. Um. So wh- you said you were in you into UFOs. Oh, I mean that's 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 been my big. You know, I think because I'm a bit of a skeptic with a lot of other things. That's the one thing my brain could wrap around and be like, well. I mean, it's. I don't think it's impossible and outside the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that there's other life out there. I think that's completely possible. Are there, you know, are there, is there an afterlife or a limbo that ghosts are trapped here? You know, after, the, I don't know, I couldn't, there's nothing that I could say, you know, could help me believe that with physical evidence, right? Uh, Go ahead. Except <laughs> Go ahead. the running water in a cup. Being yeah, but that's what I mean. That's, that was the one thing that I was like, right. okay, I, I don't usually think that. So mm-hmm. that's why when I heard that, I was like, "Okay, that's that's weird, weird." That bumps yeah, that that's that, that I can't explain that. You know no, I, mean? I think I I think you'll find that in common with the people who seem to be somewhat skeptical of the paranormal. It's like, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, we're discovering new planets that are in mm-hmm. the quote unquote Goldilocks Hab- zone, zone, the yeah. habit the habitable zone, all the time, and yeah. and the numbers are staggering. I mean, so yeah, it's like I, I feel that like you're not alone in that. In that class of people who are like, I, I believe, you know, that uh, the numbers could make sense for there being something else out there, right? You know, and who knows what they know? Like that—that's the other thing is, if there is an advanced civilization that could visit Earth, who knows what they know and are capable of? I mean, look at us two hundred years ago. You know, like if someone practiced medicine two hundred years ago, they would call them a witch. Sure, you know what I mean. So, uh, the idea that there's some advanced technology or something out there that is so foreign to us that we think it's you know, sure. Oh, if magic. We, if we went back in time five hundred years, yeah, they would think we were aliens. Yeah, exactly. And it makes me think that <clears throat> perhaps aliens are us from the future coming that's back not, in time to visit. Thing. Because mm. you know, I th- I think this all the time is I hear like Bryce was saying that a lot of people go, yeah, I think there there are aliens out there. It makes sense, but I don't think they visited here mm. because it's just too too much to travel. The distance is the too distance vast. is too great. But I go wormhole. Well, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, sure, based on what our space travel and what we know exactly. it would take, but give a civilization even a thousand years mm-hmm. 
head start, but more likely a million mm-hmm. to two million yeah. head start on us. Yeah. Imagine, imagine a species that's as advanced of us as we are, further along than we are from the dinosaurs. Right? Oh God! They would, be, they could fucking figure out all this shit that we don't right. even know about. Right? You know, it's yeah, it's 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 the, the possibilities are endless. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's by that thing. point, mm. absolutely. Yeah, I so. don't think interstellar travel is they've they've conquered that. It's like us figuring out how to get to the moon, mm-hmm. like times a million. I, yeah, I mean, look at what we did in a century. I mean, you're telling me that from horse carriage to walking on the moon in 69 in years, 69 years, staggering. So the, the, the a idea very that sexy 69. Years. <laughs> That's right. 69. Sexy yeah. 69. <laughs> yeah. <dumb>. Anyway, yes, <laughs> aliens are, are, are my, my thing. My, my favorite is, and I, I don't want to butcher this story because I, I, I don't know the exact names of all the details, but I remember seeing sort of like a, a, a documentary about an, an American Air Force uh, pilot or whatever stationed in England. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have heard this story. Is this the uh, Rendlesham Forest? Yes. Okay. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on. So that, but that, that's Tell the, the one. That well, I mean, okay. So basically, these guys go out to 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 uh, investigate something that happens in the forest, and they go out and they, to their account, find this craft that is, you know, either hovering low above the ground in the forest and has this sort of translucent material type thing, and they go and this guy goes and touches it, and all of a sudden he gets binary code flooded through yeah. his head. Right. It had hieroglyph hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics on the, on the right? craft. They exactly. had been chasing lights. They'd been seeing lights, orbs, and lights mm-hmm. moving around. Red lights and bright blue and white lights moving around the force, which is what drew them out. Drew there. them out there. And so when he touches this thing, he gets this binary in his head, and, and he has dreams about it for weeks and mm-hmm. months. And finally, after a while, he decides to see if he can just write it down and see what happens. And he does, and he writes it all down. And then there's like this, mostly undecipherable, but there's the small message in there. It was like, it was like, it was like, um, you know. Uh, observe governmental action or something like that it was it was so specific if i remember correctly it yeah. was a message from the human species from the future so it almost I've... it almost interrelayed like that this that that the that the beings the owners of the craft mm-hmm. were actually us from the future and that's what you were just talking about um, which is a whole other i hadn't heard that for rendlesham well this what you're talking about the rendlesham forest case which is one of the most substantiated cases yeah. with, with just a plethora of different evidences and and this was just right over a military base mm-hmm. too so you have you have reports of military officers and going out and, and you know, I'm the the radios the 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 guy actually seeing it coming in over the mm-hmm. radio describing what he sees. I've been mean we've been meaning I've been meaning to do that story because it's one of my favorite and yeah. and, and it, it, the implications of it are that um, and this is what we'll talk a lot about on the show that you know it's not the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Mm-hmm. This isn't some alien civilization coming from Zeta Reticuli, mm-hmm. um, nor is it what I like the interdimensional. Mm-hmm. theory which is these things are popping in and out of dimensions but this is another theory altogether that this was us from the future yeah. coming back to give us a message about nuclear proliferation Something. yeah fascinating warnings yeah warnings yeah. which is very common in alien abduction phenomena and uh and uh, sort of conscious uh, awareness raising um ufo sightings they get they get a lot of that yeah is the idea there i mean i know we're i mean <laughs> It's, I could be asking this to the wind, but is the idea there? You're asking this to the Bigfoot Collectors Club, <laughs> motherfucker. We got your back. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't know if anyone in the room has an answer. Is this the idea that if they go back in time to give a warning to people that the timeline will change? I mean, like, 
You know, I don't know. I, I'll have to look. That's It's a great question. Then, because then they couldn't send the message. I mean, all that whole paradoxical time travel. It thing. could be that they're from an alternate timeline and they're trying to save other Ooh, timelines that have gone astray. Gosh. Totally. We've got movie material right Or here, that guys. they are like, that was such a close call that we've got to help ensure that we stay. It's sort of like, all right, <clears throat> we've built a country road and then we have to pave over that road. We It's, it's sort of like, um, in other words, I'm saying like they have to repair infrastructure perhaps mm-hmm. you know what i mean so yeah. if you look at the timeline as infrastructure that we've laid down and they're like okay there are a couple potholes where this whole timeline could collapse if yeah. we don't go back and and patch it over build some guardrails you right, know right, reinforce right, right, it right, double right. that widen that lane a little bit i don't know i'm just spitballing no, no, here, maybe that's, it's that's... a sort of a thing where there are guys that are like okay we got to go back and make sure that this timeline stays intact so this shit does not happen. okay okay without getting too political perhaps. let's just use let's just use a, a, a scenario right now yeah fuck it you know what we try not to get political on this podcast but sometimes we are just you know i was thinking about this this week okay well i'll make the, i'll make this mm. yeah yeah and i know but but i was just gonna say go ahead i don't care because sometimes we're, we're this we're ha- it's hard yeah, to have this no, conversation abso- without being like absolutely i'm trying to look up uh, the, terrified by the idea of trump being in charge of the nuclear button right and that's, and that's totally and that's i mean exact- fuck it i mean guys it's just, it's just the way it. the way okay, this yeah. way it is so let me pose the question without actually picking a side all right yeah. let's let's just say let's just say you don't like what's happened and it's and it's in a danger to the you know to humanity the last hundred years right because of fossil fuels affecting the climate oh, yeah. or politics that have made nuclear war a, a, a possibility yeah let's just say you don't like any of that right what is are, is the idea that we now could be like let's go back and let's back in 1910 when it was like we've got the combustion engine and the electric car. Right, we have them both here, and then the oil companies push for the combustion engine because they wanted to sell their product. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. go back and fucking change that. Yeah, right. A hundred years before we have Tesla now, you know what I mean? Right. Let's change that, or let's go back and let's not use the nuke over Hiroshima and Nagasaki to try and end World War II. Let's let's not even bring that into the fold so that we don't have 30, 40 years of Cold War. Well, mm-hmm. my uh, my feeling is that probably there would be some if time travel were a thing, right. There would have been. There are probably in the future huge ethical discussions about going back right. and changing that shit because of the chaos that theory. It, you could make it worse. You could speed it up. Mm-hmm. You could prevent it so none of us are born. So I think that probably what they're doing is, and I'm just obviously rolling with this. No, no, I think you've exercise. got a doctorate in I've this. Got to figure you? it out. Yeah, <laughs> I, do. I think it, I think it's more about like okay, the bowling ball is moving, right? And we got to get it into, you know, we got to make it hit all the pins. Right. So we're stepping in and just making sure that that bowling ball, or it's like the guys, like, um, what's that really lame? Curling. Curling. They're guys with brushes. Okay, sorry. (laughs) They're guys with brushes that are out in front of it, just making sure that it hits the goal. Mm -hmm. And that they realize that, like, oh, by the time they get there, like, oh, part of what helped us get here and not annihilate ourselves is we were there all the the whole time helping. helping. So that's so, our that's our we have to go and fulfill the, and that that's duty. All, and that's all these sightings we have. That's Could all be. these strange paranormal. Incidences I don't think it's with all aliens. of them. Well, but some, but I mean, a lot of them. Yeah, sure. But I think because because I think that like Bryce says, you know, Bryce gave three examples. He said aliens from Zeta Reticuli. Or interdimensional aliens, or us from the future. Mm-hmm. I th- I see no reason why it can't be all, all of those of possibilities. Sure, sure. So a little column A, a little column B, a little column. Well, C. and I, and I will say this, and this goes back to my my almost original point, which was what makes the most sense in my mind, mm-hmm. right? You know, and I've had this conversation with family and friends about like, you know, 
I have friends who are very religious, and they're like, well, you know, I believe that God created us. And I was, and I said this almost half joking, but now I get called like a, I get called a crackpot now for saying this. <laughs> but I was like, well, I, I mean, Welcome I, to the club. I, yeah, I was like, I don't, I, I almost think that aliens coming down and like shooting up. Uh, you know, an ape back two hundred thousand years ago with some DNA, so that it would, you know, have its brain expand and become civilization, is less, in my opinion, uh, less in, in, impractical. Impractical than God going, you know, let's put Adam and Eve in a garden and make them bang. Right. Yeah. Right. No, right, absolutely. Right. I mean, to me, I'm like, that's that's just, you know, in my opinion, my brain can't grasp onto that as reality. As much as you can, yeah, and that's another, and that's another theory. That's the alien intervention theory that that a higher civilized species came aboard. They took our best hominids walking Mm -hmm. on the ground, and Mm -hmm. they said, you know, let's uh, let's plug some DNA uh, molecular structure into them, and like basically boost their evolution. You know, right? Exactly. Give them an evolutionary Um, booster shot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I I also like the pan sperm cosmic pan sperm directed pan sperm, like that. Okay, DNA is older than than we are yep. human DNA and that the, these genetic codes were sent here on the tail of a comet yep. and basically impregnated the Which earth. Which science right. tells us is plausible. And, plausible and then and that all the answers are in that genetic code and to help us understand the genetic code, we have the plants, the psilocybins and the ayahuascas mm-hmm. that help us unlock the history of that DNA oh, and that. cosmic history. Yep. And that like we think you know, well, why wouldn't it be in a book, or why wouldn't it be in stone tablets, or why? Well, because this shit outlasts all that stuff. Right. Can outlast it. It, it, it predated you know, us. Predated us, us, us writing with tools and, right. and drawing and caves. Right. And right. that if a species is going to evolve, they'll fig- they'll unlock it themselves and figure figure all that yeah. stuff out. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked on last week's episode about how Francis Crick discovered DNA and discovered the double helix while he was tripping on LSD mm. and being guided by a higher voice telling right. him where to look to Steve find it. Steve Jobs, LSD. Yeah. 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 His whole vision for, you know, the the computer world. There I mean. seems to be an intelligent, uh, uh, some sort of intelligence behind, you know, when, when these people go into altered states of consciousness, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, even through abduction, they... They seem to come back with some type of message that that sort of transcends what they would know otherwise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's there's something definitely mysterious at play that that offers some strange insights into what these things could be. Who knows? And uh, yeah, I will I will just say I I have done uh, psilocybin uh, before, and the first time I did, I took a lot, and I was <laughs> I, I just too much. <laughs> I yeah. just took too much. But it's and, that, move. and that's the only time I've ever had like crazy. Yeah hallucinations yeah but they were they uh, they felt so insanely made sense yeah it, it wasn't like oh i'm tripping balls it was like oh it's almost like i'm seeing stuff for the fir- like my eyes are open for the first time in a lot yeah. of ways but like my brain can perceive things the way it's supposed to be per- like perceived i was with some friends out in the desert and i remember seeing we all afterwards talked about how we saw hieroglyphs on rocks mm-hmm. and we saw the same kind of hieroglyphs on rocks and we didn't talk about it we made a rule that we weren't going to talk about what we saw while we were high. It was after we. We're not going to talk about it while we're kissing right. all, kissing one another. <laughs> how could how could we? <laughs> I mean, you're kissing. Our, our mouths yeah. are busy. They're, Come on. they're already yeah. occupied. <laughs> but it was just crazy to be like, wow, we all kind of saw. We all had a very similar experience in seeing what was impossible to see without. 
put yeah. on that substance. It's like I mean? putting on the uh, like X-ray yep. glasses sure. or like I don't know. No, no, that's right. I, I I'm so on board with all that stuff, and I think it should all be treated respectfully and responsibly. Yeah. Um, because you know you kind of got you can't go in you know like an idiot. You can't go running in there like an <laughs> can't, idiot. The can't first take guy. too much the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I had like a you know when I was in Amsterdam, I took way too much in college. And so the fir- yeah, and the first like first like i'd say hour was a little rocky yeah. but it was almost like i'd psyched myself up because i'd done it once before but i was kind of like i remember i had like a lonely planet guide that was like and then to psilocybin. Am- <laughs> well they talk about doing shrooms in amsterdam yeah. and they were like you know because it's legal there and they were right. like okay just remember if you're having a bad trip there's nothing you can do about it yeah. don't freak out don't go to the hospital they're yeah. not going to be able to help you you just got to ride it out and it was so funny that i was getting this advice from like a lonely planet guide <laughs> that when i that, that i was i was almost like set myself up for it yeah and i remember sitting we all went to this cafe and i was with two friends that had never done it before mm. and neither one of them were like you know pot really pot smokers or anything and uh, I remember we were all sitting down, and I had bought. They had gone to the Anne Frank Museum, and I went to a head shop to buy shrooms. And very I remember telling, days. yeah, very I know, I feel sort of ashamed <laughs> about that, but I, <laughs> I was like, we're getting this done. So I remember asking the woman, I was like, okay, I want something that's like nice and easy. It's not super visual. It's not going to like wig us out. And she's like, okay, take this. And I remember she, she pointed to something on the menu that was called Hippie Trippy. And mm. I, sh- I there was like that already sounds- red flag. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. All right. Sure, sure. sure. And, um, and then we went to this cafe to do it. And I remember I was so protective of my friends that I'd be like, and in retrospect, it would probably look like I was being greedy, but I was like, okay, one for you, two for me, one for you, two. Because I was like, I'll take the more heroic dose because I'm worried about them right, freaking right, out because right. they were very nervous about it. Right. And of course, they had a blast. And for the first and hour, were- <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. I'm, I'm going to be trapped in a prism. You got the fear. I'm too far away. Yeah, I got, I got the really... The darkness. The yeah. darkness. I got bad. really freaked out. And I remember like we were in this like uh, hostel where I remember looking at... They had clearly specifically... Der- der- decorated it for this occasion sure. like they had like van gogh weeds that were growing out of pats uh. and like track lighting and like stuff that was like so everything was coming to life in the room like this wall is mustard yellow but this one's exposed brick so these things are swirling and dancing Ugh. and i remember being like oh god everything here looks like a fucking grateful dead poster and i fucking hate the grateful dead you know what i mean i was like hippie trippy fuck you and i remember go- i was like and i didn't want to tell them hippie that i was trippy. freaking out and I was like trying to listen to music, but it was like echoing too loudly. And I remember I just go outside and I sat down on the sidewalk. And I remember like a breeze going by and like bicyclists walking by. And I just had this image of like, I'm seeing the world through the eyes of a of a friendly dog. You know what I mean? And it kind <laughs> like, of like you were a dog. Yeah, like, like I was a dog just like sitting out on the sidewalk watching humans wow. go by. <laughs> And and I remember it suddenly calmed me down and centered me. You know what it is? It's nature. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. No shit. And I looked up and I swear to God, I literally saw because it was a little overcast. I literally saw the clouds part mm. and the sun beaming down on me. And I stood up and I went, 
this is the best day yeah. ever. Yeah. And I ran inside. I was like, guys, you got to come outside. It's amazing. And they were kind of like, what? What's going on? And then we just like went outside and we just like ended up having like the greatest And I, I would, I love that everyone that walked by you when you said that was just like, whatever. whatever. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> used whatever. to this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, forgot fucking so. American yeah. kid. Trying for, to yeah. try and but still it, 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 for the first it, time. But it was amazing. But I remember there was like, there were periods of that in there even when it was a little rough yeah yeah where i was it's, like it's like oh this. i'm, I'm I, it definitely like it was a mind-altering experience the way that like i did see sort of behind the veil on mm. some of that stuff that's my like, favorite Ooh. part of it is feeling like you're tapping into something that's always there and around like you know it's like we all operate on one frequency and if we just changed our frequency we might see yeah, a completely right. different world that stuff blows my mind, and you know I don't know if it's real or not, but the idea of it, and when you take psilocybin, all it does is make you go like, that might, that, that might be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. might be the case. No, there's some great data there to be looked at for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our favorite guys we love to talk about is Terrence McKenna, and you use the words heroic dose. He would say that. He said, you know, you don't need to go to outer space to look for higher intelligences. <laughs> all you need is some courage and five grams of psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms. That's a lot. And, That's a lot. Uh, don't do it. Don't do that. But that's what he called the heroic dose. Jesus. You know? um, but it, what, what's great about? I it, think I probably took because we got three and a half grams, and I think I took half of that, mm-hmm. and Oof. it was yeah. a ton. What was so great about him Idiot. is he would always bring back <laughs> with him is what he learned and what he what he took from that behind yeah. that veil. So instead of just being in that experience and, and losing yourself, he you was document. There, he was there to bring information back. Yeah. And uh and he, he did that with a plum. He was great. That's so funny. I just heard someone on NPR talking Armed about only how they did with this. a plum. Yeah. <laughs> I, he was like, I literally went out and I was going under supervised like dosing mm-hmm. where someone was like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you a dose. If you feel like it's too much, fine. If you don't, I'll give you more and we'll just kind of track what you see and feel. Right. And he wrote a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's I, crazy. I can't remember the name of the guy. I'll have to look it up, but it was, it, I mean, he was talking to uh, Terry gross on, on fresh air. This is like, he was doing micro dosing. No, was... he was doing a lot and he was oh, going wow. and he was like, and I'd never done it. He was just a writer who just wanted to do it. Because he'd never done it before, and he was like, he took one, and he was talking about how he freaked out. But then he was like, I'm doing this for, you know, I'm doing this for the book, so I'm gonna take more. Yeah, <laughs> take yeah, more, totally. And be like, oh my god, and like would just write his experiences. It was very fascinating. But that, but microdosing is another thing. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole other thing on its own. Yeah, people like in in high stress jobs mm-hmm. uh, taking micro doses or of creative LSD. Jobs. Yeah, or creative jobs mm-hmm. taking you know small, very small, small doses. Daily of, doses. It sounds of, very of therapeutic. LSD or, uh, yeah, well, it increases, it increases in te- attention span, increases your visual acuity, it, mm-hmm. you know, so it, there's there's benefits to be had there, you know. I think it lowers a little bit of artistic inhibition, too. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we it. found out that, like, Trump, they were just slowly microdosing Trump every day to calm him down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not showing. It's not working. It's not working. Up, Up the, the dose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just, what, Trump, uh, Trump. Trump. President Trump, Shroom and Trump. It's like he was on like a heroic dose of psilocybin. <laughs> oh man, there's a movie from the 60s called Wild in the Streets, and it's about um, Congress getting dosed with LSD by these renegades. Oh, oh wow. my god, it is an awesome movie. All right, sounds amazing. Wow. Yeah, we, it's, that uh, might hit yeah. the next. You know movie what? Night. There's Wild a the film that good. also I want to watch. I think it's like a um, Dutch 
film maybe i don't remember i apologize it's called blueberry mm. and it's about guys hiking and then doing ayahuasca in the woods and so in the forest in amazon mm-hmm. and supposedly like the the sequence in blueberry is just like supposed to be like what an ayahuasca trip is really really, really like you oh, know man. so i don't know you know with that that I, I've never done it, but I you've watched that documentary DMT, the Spirit Molecule. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one is I think the most. If any, you know, descriptions I've heard. Rick Strassman's work in his book, you should Great check book. that yeah. out yeah. Yeah. for sure. He was a doctor out of Arizona when it was, it was the only government funded uh, psychedelic test uh, mm. since after the '60s, and he took a controlled group of people, and uh, and he used injected uh, rat DMT. And and what he rat fa- DMT? Yeah, that's right. They extract it's in, it. It's in everything. Well, right? it's in the pineal gland of our brain. So <laughs> right. We all we all we all self produce our own levels, and of we get DMT. a little little drip of it every night when we go to sleep. Some more yeah, than others, right. I they think, that, and that's why that explains a lot of experiences. They say too. that's what induces the the dream world, and they and, and you know they say. Um, you know that it it actually uh, excretes it at maximum levels on birth and at death. And death, yes. Um, but what he found, what 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 kind of blew his mind was that all these all his patients at the uh, at the correct dosage, I think it was something like four milligrams or something. They all described the same the same things. things. Whether you see a spirit or an alien, it was like you yeah. See they, some well, sort they of saw form. they saw they saw a lot of uh, uh, snakes and jag, uh, jaguars and uh, yeah, those uh, jungle gods and like the. The, yeah. like woman there's like a plant goddess yeah yeah there's there's see. definitely a, like a goddess element a, a higher intelligence uh kind Ugh. of goddess element and uh and you know even even alien there was yeah there's some yeah. alien alien beings in there as well it's but. so funny because we consider all this stuff so counterculture mm-hmm. you know and i remember a few years ago i was in new york for work and i went to the natural history museum and i was just like upstairs in one of the side rooms and I was like in an ex exhibition that's like permanent part of the museum where they're just talking about like plants and they have like, you know, plaster versions of different plants from mm-hmm. all around the world. And I looked down and there was like a ayahuasca vine. And there's it's just like here I am in the Natural History Museum in New York. And if you read and I was like reading, I was like, oh, shit, they got like stuff about ayahuasca in here. And they were talking about shamans and brewing it and drinking it. And then they were talking about people who have been on this have experienced traveling to other dimensions, speaking to like tall bird like creatures. I'm surprised they have that. I was like, (laughs) this is fucking awesome. Like, it's right here. Like, we have this knowledge. This is in the museum in New York. And, and it's, it's not, still considered taboo. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And it's the, still this, considered it's taboo. Just, it's like, look at this. And it's it's a paragraph or a couple paragraphs that are probably people are like, plants, boring, overlooking it. You know, because how often are you in a gallery or in a museum and actually reading I the text? I go for the plants. I <laughs> yeah. go for the plants. I go there for the text. Yeah. <laughs> I read the articles. I go to just the museum for, for the just articles. Just for the articles. But, uh, but I was like... Fuck, this is an awesome, like, trip. There's, like, awesome tripping stories in here that I was like, oh, shit. If I were, like, a kid on a field trip, I'd be like... I want to get some... Get a hold of some of Hit the gift shop. Yeah, yeah right? Shit. So it's just so funny because, like, this... It, it really is... And I really think that this is a product of the past hundred years of sort of... Uh, clamping you know sort of trying to brush all this shit under the carpet so pharmaceutical companies and governments could be like don't don't look over there we have we have everything that you need and i'm not i'm saying medicine is good blows my mind but because why wouldn't why wouldn't pharmaceutical companies why wouldn't they why wouldn't they want to take that and use it Mm. you know what i mean because they're that they're in the they're in the business of taking 
plants and things and making stuff and making them into drugs. Well, it's con- why I know, wouldn't they want to do well, that? Well, I th- I think maybe we might be slowly seeing the transformation of that with the yeah. legalization of marijuana. Uh, yeah, and I you know I don't think marijuana should be a Schedule One drug at all. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I do think that there are drugs that are fucking super dangerous and will kill you, mm-hmm. and marijuana is not one of them. No. Um, so I think that we're see- also we're seeing what big business it can do, what it can do for the economy, the taxes that you get on all this loan. shit. I so I don't know. I mean, maybe we are, maybe we're not. I think it's just because there's a lot of old white men in power who um, want their drugs to be sold over something that might actually benefit people and cure them. Uh, yeah. Because pharmaceutical companies are in the business of treating people, not curing. Not people curing now. them. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I don't. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll have progress in that. I'm sure there are people in that field who do believe in it and do believe that these plants right. have healing powers. But it's just, I think, wh- whatever it is, like so many things in Western culture, we've just got. There's uh, so much cool stuff, and there's so much stuff that we've just gone way out of balance on. Yeah, mm. it's true. Well, I don't know. I've got a story for you. I, I think that you're going to love. All right. Strange. Well, let's this take a break. This one's going to be right up your alley. Great. We're going to take a break, <laughs> and we're all going to brew some ayahuasca tea. <laughs> and then when we come back, we're we're going to be enlightened. It's time, it's time for some yeah. real high strangeness. No doubt. Cool. Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club. And before we get into high strangeness, we have a correction. From our producer Riley Bray, what do you got? Which it's is not- odd because we never make mistakes. And we never make mistakes. <laughs> this is a very well researched. We never show. use we never use the wrong words when we're rambling. We never generalize about science. That's right. But we is- never call Arkansas Alabama when it should have been called Arkansas, which I did all throughout the uh, <laughs> Bigfoot Movie Club episode on the Patreon. Go on. Uh, this was actually pointed out to me by a listener. Um, but we've uh, we've touched on the DNA discovery origin story a few times. Now we just did in the last segment, which made me think about it and it's generally attributed to james watson and francis crick which is mm-hmm. i mean uh but they actually based most of their work on the work of their colleague rosalind franklin mm-hmm. who was an x-ray diffraction expert that's right and she's actually the first one that photographed the helix structure of dna in the 50s oh wow and then their work was based on her but she never gets brought up and wow all this. there is a uni- uh, rosalind franklin university I think in Chicago, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that part, but wow. But she's often like unsung in the story, and that was pointed out to me by a listener because we keep saying Francis Crick. Sweet, like, actually, so it was great. really Rosalind Franklin who really did that work first, and she was just super baked, not even doing psilocybin. <laughs> so there's that too. Well, that's cool. That's yeah, really no, that's good awesome. to know. I mean, obviously, it's a shame that women get sort of written out of a lot of this history. Well, so. she's back in. That's why I wanted. You to know, bring we're it up. famous here. Yeah, hey, man, you know? that's great. I I love it. You know, look, we talk. We look. We go do your own research. I mean, on the, the stories of high strangeness, we're we're researching them as well as we can. But oftentimes, we we're are talking off our here. we're shooting <laughs> from the hip and just talking off the our memories, which are uh, rapidly decreasing For as sure. I age, <laughs> at least. Um, so that's awesome to know. Well, I'll have to look her up. And you know what? What we should do is it's deserving of its own sort of story in itself. So maybe it's time that we research some of that stuff and maybe cover the actual stuff that go. we're talking about. Nah. So. Yeah. yeah, let's just keep moving yeah, along. I'm more into the ghosts. Good. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. No, thank you for doing that. And thank you for the correction, uh, yeah. anonymous listener. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> uh, all right, so it's time for High Strangeness. Bryce, what did you bring in for the class all right. today? Scott, you're going to like this one because this is the story of the Phoenix Lights. Mm. Oh, um, yes. Classic. I'll start mine with a quote, too. Um, the Phoenix Lights is a compelling and thoroughly documented account of the most bizarre 
and widely observed UFO event in modern times. And that was from Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth person to walk on the moon. So he's somebody you might want to listen to. So let's get into it, right? On the evening of March 13th, 1997, a mile-wide V-shaped formation of strange lights silently glided over the state of Arizona. They were witnessed by commercial airline pilots, air traffic controllers, military personnel, and thousands of other citizens. The mass UFO sighting has become known worldwide as the Phoenix Lights and is viewed as one of the most witnessed and most important anomalous events in modern UFO history. Not only was there a parade of silent mile-wide V formations of orbs and what could be up to nine different crafts witnessed by over 10,000 people at low altitude through Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada, but similar events would take place before and after that date, not only here in America, but in countries like Mexico, Belgium, and Russia, to name a few. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, the report started coming in around 6 p.m. Mysterious glowing objects seen above Phoenix. Silent delta wing object flying low over houses. Huge aircraft bigger than a shopping mall. Over the next few hours, residents throughout the city and the surrounding area witnessed a mammoth-sized V-shaped craft that blocked out the stars as it sailed quietly by. Mm. On its underside were five spherical lights or engines that gave off an eerie orangish glow. Despite being viewed by an estimated 10,000 eyewitnesses, many of whom saw it at close range, the phenomenon has been dismissed by the Air Force with an explanation that fails to take into account both the time of the event and the vast swaths of land over which the sightings took place. To this day, no one has identified precisely what was in the sky, and authorities seem to show no interest in discovering or, more accurately, revealing the truth of what they know. Shortly before 7 p.m., a man in Henderson, Nevada, 300 miles north of Phoenix, reported seeing a V-shaped aircraft with six lights on its leading edge flying above the desert. He said it was the size of a 747 and made a sound like rushing wind. A little more than an hour later at 8.15, a former policeman and his family watched as a group of glowing dots moved in V formation above Pauline, Arizona, 200 miles southeast of Henderson. Over the next few hours, pilots, air traffic controllers, military professionals, Police officers and ordinary civilians along the path from Pauline to Phoenix observed the UFOs as they headed towards Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Now, astronomy is one reason why so many people were staring up at the sky that night, because a lot of Arizonians were hoping to catch a glimpse of the passing comet Haleybop, mm. uh, which was flying by Earth for an April 1st rendezvous with the sun. In the weeks after the strange encounter... More than 700 people called local authorities and the National UFO Reporting Center to tell what they saw. Their descriptions had several things in common. The aircraft had a V or delta shape, like a boomerang, and was flying as low as 500 feet. One witness claiming that as it flew over their house, it was so low they could have hit it with a rock. It was solid and blocked out the stars from view. Most astonishing was its size, as long as a mile, maybe more, according to some observers. A family driving on an area highway said that when it passed overhead, the two wingtips could be seen through the windows on opposite sides of the car. Not only that, they were doing 80 miles per hour in the opposite direction of the craft, and it still took several minutes for this thing to pass overhead. Think about that. Was that a mother-daughter? Yeah, I, I, it, was a, it, was a mother, it was a family. Mother, yeah. Yeah. It was I'd a solid craft. Come back to that later. Sure. Silent and very low to the ground, Mike Fortson reported. And the thing that took me was the size. Profoundly massive. We don't even have shopping centers this big. 
significantly. <laughs> I love that that's the gauge. <laughs> I know. I ain't seen a strip mall this big. No, this, this was big. <laughs> significantly, the objects were viewed from multiple vantage points as they flew through the valley. The advanced nature of these phenomena is also noteworthy. Some saw three glowing orbs, while others viewed five, six, or more, with one or more lights appearing to blink out from time to time. The objects felt unearthly and interdimensional, because when they slowly and mechanically disappeared from view, they still seemed to be there. They could glide at a very low altitude, hover, and then take off at a blink of speed, or split into two. The lights seemed to be attached to something or had a force field holding them in a solid formation. Some witnesses saw the orbs detach from the main object, go out into the environment, and then redock with it. Incredible technology, to be sure. Despite the object's unfathomable, unfathomable size, it that was went... Scott sighing in fun disbelief. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, not not out of dismissal. <clears throat> it, as... it went undetected by radar, and as in any phenomenon seen by thousands of people, descriptions varied. Among the witnesses are several who say they identified five Air Force fighter planes, possibly F-22s, flying in a tight V formation. Yet the Air Force has denied having any planes flying in such a formation that night, and no one has come forth to counter their claim. Fife Symington, the governor of Arizona at the time, saw the lights as well, though he didn't reveal that until years later. In the days after the encounter, he said his office was calling the heads of the National Guard and Luke Air Force Base to find out if they were flying some exotic aircraft over the valley and not really getting any answers. But no one stopped to asking questions, and the news refused to go away. On June 18th, USA Today ran a, uh, carried the story on its front page, bringing the Phoenix Lights to national attention. Eventually, eventually at the request of Phoenix Councilwoman Frances Barwood, uh, who plays an integral part, we'll get about more on her later, Arizona Senator John McCain promised to look into the matter in the fall of 1997. He received a letter informing him that members of the Maryland National Guard had been on a training exercise with the Arizona National Guard, dropping high-intensity magnesium parachute flares at an altitude of 15,000 feet, high enough to be seen 150 miles away. But that explanation doesn't hold up. McCain was told the exercise was conducted between 9.30 and 10 p.m., but the lights were seen as early as 6 p.m. and continued till almost midnight and even the day beyond. Not only that, the flare drop was conducted southwest of the path along where the mystery craft was spotted. In addition, the flares descended in a linear formation rather than a V-shape. Some Phoenix residents believe that the military and some top-level government officials became aware of the strange aircraft and hurriedly organized the flare drop as a subterfuge, a tactical diversion, and indeed a recording of a phone call from nearby Luke Air Force Base to the National UFO Reporting Center, New Fork, supports that theory. In the early hours of March 14th, an airman at Luke Air Force Base phoned Newfork with an alarming story. Prescott Valley Airport, a small municipal facility north of Phoenix, had called the base at 8.32 p.m. after a small Cessna airplane experienced a near miss with a large unidentified aircraft. Luke Air Force Base immediately scrambled a pair of F-15s to investigate. When they returned... One of the fighter jet pilots said he'd seen five lights in a V configuration and even got gun camera film of it. The airman who called New Fork said the pilot was scared to death. He's not sure what it was, but it scared the hell out of him, he continued. And after the fighters landed, we had a complete lockdown of the base. 
Again, the Air Force denies the encounter ever took place. Since that incredible event that occurred in the clear dark skies over Phoenix and nearby cities, residents have reported other un- unidentifiable lights in the sky. Among the witnesses, Dr. Lynn Katai, who has photographed her sightings and explored the subject in depth in a documentary based on her book, The Phoenix Lights, A Skeptic's Discovery That We Are Not Alone. Once uncertain about UFOs and alien visitations, Katai has sifted through the immense data to become convinced something is out there. Her advice? Keep looking up, because we are not alone. Man, oh man. Yeah. Wow. Well told. Thank you. Well yeah, told. so that is uh, that is the story of Phoenix Lights. And you know, what I love about doing this show and is uh, in, in researching these stories, I thought I had already was pretty well-versed on the Phoenix Lights, yeah. but I had no idea... And I use the term parade, that there was up to what they think nine different V-shaped crafts, each some very nine, not just one flying V, but almost nine different craft. I brought you some pictures here, too. I was just looking Um, them up on my phone, too. I remember um, seeing a um, special on this, you know, probably one of the UFO shows. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of these. These are really, really cool. that's what, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I remember that uh, they interviewed a mother and daughter mm-hmm. who were like a teenage daughter and a mother. The yeah, daughter they was called Art room. Bell on Coast to Coast. Yeah, I think they called, right? They called Art, but they called Art Bell, and I think at one point they did they call him while it was happening? Uh, you know, Art Bell was getting calls uh, pretty much that same night re- and the next day and the next week. So I remember, so it must have been with Art Bell or. Or when they had called the police and they said, we're seeing this object flying over our car. Mm -hmm. And the cops were like, okay, well, how big is it? And they're like, big. And he's like, okay, well, if you hold up your thumb, can you cover it up with your thumb? Mm -hmm. You know? And they're like, "Uh, no. (laughs) And they're like, okay, so if you hold up your hand, can you cover it with the flat of your hand? And they're like... No, uh, this thing is taking up almost our entire view of the sky. Yeah, one oh witness claims she could hold a newspaper. That's what uh, she, I think. This she was could the hold woman. a newspaper out, and you would still see the she, craft. That's what she said. She said, "I I held a news. I could hold yeah. a newspaper." And I think this was maybe the same woman. And, were, and what was the governor's name? Five Symington. Five Five Symington, and he said that he saw it later. Didn't this, he recanted his story? Yeah. So what? Uh, he yeah. So he, this is very interesting. This is where it gets into some some kind of uh, a little bit of cover up cover story up. because uh, they were getting a lot of heat about this and they and they wanted an investigation. Now, um, Five Symington about a month after the USA sto- uh, Today story came out, um, Five Symington basically said we were going to hold an emergency press conference. Now he just happened to be in court at the time on some trumped up federal charges. Oh. Now according to France. Barwood, who was the vice mayor, she said of Phoenix. Uh, of Phoenix, that's right. She said she's the one that received this. Uh, called back seven hundred of these witnesses and went over every single one, wow. all telling the same thing. She said Fife Symington, um, after hearing that he was going to hold a national press conference, they took him back into the judges' chamber. He was met where he came out, and then basically. He did that infamous now uh, press conference where he brought out his chief of staff in an alien alien costume. costume, Right. And now, according to Francis, as a joke, which basically. He's like, we caught the culprit, and then they brought out. And now, Francis. People were 
pissed. Yeah, because, because people had actually who had seen this shit had come out and be like, "Thank God the governor is going to say something." Well, now you're and he made a joke out of that's it. That's right. Now you're talking thousands of witnesses. Families were watching that press conference with their children, hoping to get something. There was one witness who, with her family, she said her boys laid on their back on the front lawn as this thing silently glided oh, over their God. house. So yeah. that doesn't sound like flares. So yeah, when he came out there and his chief of staff was in that alien costume. Um, you could even see it when you watch the video. He seems like he seems a little perturbed or under duress, but um, yeah, it, a lot of people took that to heart and they were very, very um, disappointed wouldn't be the word. They were pissed. They were pissed. Well, what's, because what's the idea of him going back in the judge's chambers? Like, what? What? What's the theory? Well, they say he they made a deal. You know, listen, you need to you need to come out. If you they, go out there and make fun of this and say it was nothing, we'll drop these. We'll drop the charge now. Who, now, who said this? The judges in the in the case? No, he was visited by some government officials. By, okay, okay. So um, people from the federal government came. Yeah, in. that's right. And the charges were dropped. Now, here's wow. a little something about Fife Symington, just to let you know. You know, he was an Air Force guy himself. He was a pilot and an accredited officer. Yeah. Now, years later, he came out and said, you know, listen, I saw this thing with my own two he eyes. He was supposedly at like a garden party or like at a party. And I think he said, now, I could be wrong. This is me going from my memory. I remember mm-hmm. an interview. But from what I recall, he was like outdoors on a deck at yeah, a, no, that's at a right. party. And he said he watched it in the distance with friends and neighbors and colleagues as it, as one of these ships, if not the mothership, flew over the horizon. Yeah. So he fucking saw it too, and he he regretted making that making joke. joke, and um and because it let down his his people, because everyone was going, "What the fuck is this thing?" Yeah, and so they were like, "Thank God, we're actually going to have one of our leaders talk well, about it." That just goes to show the kind of. I mean, I can't imagine being in a position of power, like a governor, yeah, having to address something like that. And especially, I mean, listen, there's a lot of hairy stuff going on with being in, being in court at the same time, sure. and having leverage. But can you imagine having, like, you know? Well, that's how Frances Barr would put it. She said, "Listen, he had he had a big family. Yeah, he was under a lot of pressure to uh, come out and say something, right? Um, but he was turned the other way. Yeah. You know, and that's not the only story of cover up, too. Frances Barwood also took a call from a guy named Richard Curtis. Now, Richard Curtis was a disabled veteran um, whose hobbies were getting on the CB radio and listening to truckers. Now, at around 5 or 6 p.m. You know, that as night, they drive down the highway. As they off. drive down the highway, what that's a weird right. hobby. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he started to hear these truckers come in traveling south on I-17. And now, you know truckers. They're saying, Break, are, breaker, one breaker, breaker, are you getting this? What the fuck? Is right, that, all over the place. You know, so uh, Richard Curtis goes out to his rooftop with video equipment that he had, mm. and uh, and he records this thing with uh, with his video equipment. Now he said he got he said he got such good footage that with the, with the, the refraction of the streetlights he could see this thing pass overhead and it was almost gunmetal gray where mm. the lights were like gaseous and swimming not like normal like glare yeah. lights but he said it was incredible video footage anyway he calls Francis Barwood um, and he says just to let you know I have this tape and she says well get it to me. Right. So a couple days later, a few guys show up at the place where he was, his community hospital, and they visit him and they say, you know, hey, we're from Francis Barwood's office. We came to get your tape. And he said, oh, OK, yeah, sure. And they do you have any copies Uh-oh. of it? Uh-oh. Uh, he said, no, I haven't made any copies. Well, we'll get you copies. Right. 
He calls Francis Barwood a week later and he says, well, what did you think? And she says, well, what did, what do you mean? What did I think? What did I think of what? Yeah. Well, two guys from your office came to get the tape. She goes, I don't have guys working in my office. I'm only working with females. And so she sent out an investigator to his uh, community hospital to find out. And the supervisor said, you know, it was the weirdest thing. Two guys show up in a black car, three piece suits, hats. They come talk to Richard Curtis asking about this tape. Men in black. Men in the black. The fedoras in 1997 should have been this, given the red away. flag. Dude, this. Because they're either men in black yeah. or they're part of the West Coast swing revival taking place at the time. Yeah. This was 100, 110 LA is degrees. Seven that hours day. away. Big bad yeah. voodoo daddy was in town. Yeah, that's right. But the supervisor recalled it being very strange, sure. very mysterious, and it was 110 degrees out. Um, so obviously they got that they got that videotape now it, it even and, it's, and, and no one can find that footage it's, do, it's, no it's no there. it cannot be okay. found because there's not a lot of i mean there's still some great footage of uh of, of but apparently UFO lights apparently but, really good but that's stuff one they taken. wanted you yeah. know all right and, um we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna ask scott what the hell was that Hey everyone, this is Riley. I wanted to let you know we've launched our Patreon page. It's a place where listeners can help support the show and gain access to exclusive bonus content. For $5 a month, our Patreon members get special episodes like our Campfire Stories, Movie Club, and Out There episodes, where we explore our own little place in the cosmos. We also post behind-the-scenes conversations that happen during the breaks and all sorts of other bonuses. We put a lot of love into these episodes, and we make a lot of them. They're a deeper level of the show where we expand on ideas and concepts from our main feed. Our weekly show will, of course, always remain free, but for $5 a month, our Patreon members will gain full access to the inner sanctum of the BCC. We hope you'll join us there. That's patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And thanks for listening. Kansas City. Food-wise, a city famous for its barbecue, but that's about to change. My name is W. Dave Keith, host of the podcast Taco the Town, and I believe that Kansas City is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, up-and-coming taco towns in the USA. On Taco the Town, we will shine a light on all the amazing tacos Kansas City has to offer. Kansas City is a great taco town filled with a variety of untapped taco stylings and flavors, and on the Taco the Town podcast, we won't stop until we've tasted every taco in the town. No taco table will go unturned. Each episode, we review a new taco joint with a special guest we share taco memories discuss taco topics and put tacos to the test we check the latest stories in taco news and no taco is off the table on taco the town if you love tacos like i do you're gonna love taco the town available on itunes stitcher podbean and google play that's taco the town All right, Scott, you're under pressure now, buddy. Okay. You're going to tell us, what do you think that was, man? What the hell was that? Okay, so let me just start by saying I've driven from L.A. to Dallas many times, and I've been through that stretch, and it's very weird. If you guys have ever driven through there at night? Um, Are you on the 10? So you take, yeah, you take the 10, and I think that the 10 goes from, you know, California yeah. down, down through Phoenix and, and uh, Tucson, then it's in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, 
I, I remember having this, you know, and this turned out to be nothing, but I remember just being like, this is a very strange place. It just felt, it just felt like a weird place. You know what I mean? Um, I was driving through at night and I saw these giant red flashing lights off in the distance. It looked humongous. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was, I was freaking out because I was like that there's nothing below it. It, lo it looked like it was at the top of a skyscraper and it was like a bunch of red lights flashing. Right. And it looked like there was nothing below it off in the distance. It looked like it was like, it looks like it was 2,000 feet, 5,000 feet in the air, right? Mm -hmm. And there was nothing below it. And I was driving at night, and I was like, I have no idea what that is. And I was driving to Dallas for like a week, and I was going to drive right back. And I, I remember calling my mom the next day. I was like, I, I don't know what I saw in the sky in Phoenix. Yeah. The, this was in probably 2006, 2007. And uh, my mom was like, oh, that's, you know, well, you know the Phoenix Lights and that, that whole area. And I was like, yeah. And, and um and I drove to Texas, and I was there for a while, and I drove back, and I was driving back through that part in the daytime, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm such an idiot, because I said there's mountains off there that are pitch black mm -hmm. at night, and they have these giant lights mm -hmm. built into the side of the mountain that are flashing. Right. Yeah, right? So planes don't fly So planes don't fly into it. And so, that's what you saw. And that's what I saw, but yeah. I was like, so, I was like, that's otherworldly. That can't be real. Mm. I have no idea what that, I've never seen anything like this. Well, you've never seen, because you've never driven through Phoenix at night before. Yeah. Right, right. So... Do I think that there is some maybe an explainable, you know, explainable um, phenomenon that happened? Maybe, I, maybe you know, they say it was flares. I know that's such a bullshit excuse because, you know, you I've spent my time looking at Phoenix Lights online as well. Yeah, and the, you've you've said a lot of stuff in here that I didn't even realize. But, but you know, the whole flares explanation doesn't. It doesn't hold water. You well, know, to me, you, you'll, water. you'll love this too. And also, I just want to say the people from Phoenix—they're used to the mountains. They're mm -hmm. used to lights, mm -hmm. and this know, is outside of that. Yeah, it's like I grew up, like I said, near that municipal airport. Mm -hmm. So I saw planes, small planes, private planes—you uh, you, know—flying overhead and all you, the time. And you get used you start to seeing to recognize, what's in the sky. Yeah, you're like, okay, if it's got these blinking lights, those are the wing lights, right. and there's this. You get you 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 get used to your right. environment. Right. Well, you know, three Air National Guard pilots tried to reenact the Phoenix Lights on March 8th, 2000 with flares, with flares and by all accounts failed miserably. The video's on YouTube. You should check it out. Okay. The bottom line is Phoenix Lights have never been recreated or explained. So it really kind of dismantled mm -hmm. uh, the flare theory and it gives a little bit more credence to, uh, you know, Dr. Lynn Katai when she called the uh, Luke Air Force Base and they were like, you know, the lady that answered the phone, well, oh, you know, the, uh, the Maryland Air National Guard was out here on, on, a, on a mission Operation Snowbird, which in military is is a, used for tactical diversion, and then Lynn Lynn Katai followed up. Well, uh, were they there a month prior? Mm -hmm. And she goes, "No, not at all." And she goes, "Well, I have a photo of the same area with three orbs in the light, um, three orbs in the night sky in that same area." Because what a lot of people don't realize is that this this kind of event actually took place. Not just on March 13th, but there were sightings about a month prior. Really? There were even sightings afterwards. Hmm. Um, and, you know, to give a little, uh, a, a little bit more backstory on, uh, on those lights in the sky, native cultures in Arizona and worldwide do believe that otherworldly intelligences have been visiting us since human documentation began. In fact, the Gila Mo Native Americans living in the basin between South Mountains and the Australia mountain ranges where the events took place shared that they have been looking up at these orbs for centuries. They call them sky people and light beings. They are part of their culture. Interestingly enough, the Gia indigenous peoples call the Australia mountain range the gateway to the stars. Australia, meaning 
star in Spanish and believe that there's a portal or gateway in that particular area. Mm. Um, so, you know, I always find that interesting when, when indigenous tribes and Native yeah. American peoples back up these crazy stories with their mythology that goes, no, we know what that is. Yeah, we've yeah. seen that before. That's, yeah. You hear that in Bigfoot stories mm. all the goddamn time. Right? Yeah. Um, but here, you know, I got... Um, I think that one of the th- problems I have with uh, myth- mythologization, mythologization, or whatever you want to say, we'll look up, uh, that's not, we can no. make words. That's yeah, fine. Of Phoenix. <laughs> um, by the way, only men discovered DNA, and they were tripping balls. <laughs> um, is uh, I, I feel like the 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 term Phoenix Lights does this story a disservice mm. because it should be called like the Phoenix Mothership. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they think of the Phoenix Lights, they may have seen the videos of those lights that are considered, or oh, those are supposed to be the flares yeah, over Phoenix. Right. Yeah. But like you, you have to dig a little deeper to be like, oh, people to saw find the whole a fucking story. giant yeah. boomerang mothership. It should be called like the Phoenix. Motherships, yeah, plural. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It should be like the Phoenix Skyships or something. You know, so the, people are like. This is on uh, Dr. Lynn Katai's site, and she did it with a guy named, I forget, but uh, it's the phoenixlights.net. Now, they did a. Com- they did a computer orientation. We're looking at a map here. You printed that out, right? Yeah, that out. these are all the different tracks of the motherships. And here's all by now, they took all the various accounts, they interviewed the witnesses, and these are the different crafts. Not just one, but you'll see each of them a little different. Um, now these are representations. We're looking yeah, at are, like um, landscape photos that have black triangles. So here's one and, with like um, you could see the three different like so Look at them. the shape of that one. We'll put all these up. Yeah, we'll put we'll put all these up. And here's the one where it's on the leading edge. Mm-hmm. So you, this this kind of explains why you get so many varied discrepancies of what witnesses saw because there were so many different craft. It's kind um, of like um, the this is the you one know, with the, the teenage mutant ninja turtles. They're alike, but they all have their own little different characteristics. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was even a color uh, Bandanas. There was even a white pearl disc reported too uh, that they saw that one too. Is, that one would creep me. So out. it seemed to be like this bevy mm. of uh, of motherships floating through the sky. So that's why you were saying it was a parade. Night. Yeah, which is you know I always thought of it as one kind of massive ship. They should sh- call them Phoenix UFO Parade. Yeah, I mean that would that's be a, a way that's better a band name. name. That yeah. would be a better title. <laughs> yeah, guys, we just started our acid rock. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's a crazy story. And, but, but what? But like what? But like okay. So, I, like I was saying, I, I saw lights that were placed on a mountain for air traffic. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, and it, it's not that. Yeah. It's not. It's not flares because the, the, obviously with the data you provided, it's been disproven by the Air National Guard. Yeah. So what could it be? Like right, if if it's not what everyone wants to rush to, which I th- I still think is entirely plausible, mm-hmm. what else could it be? Like, what's the other explanation? You know, there's this strange phenomena attached with it as well, because there were there were reportings of people getting sort of telepathic messages. Mm. Now, a lot of these witnesses that were together, like in family groups and friends groups, they remember not being able to like talk to each other really? they, they would just witness this thing in silent reverie as it would go overhead and then when it passed kind of like not talking about it right mm. they and all then, looked at each other and there was just like piss stains down everyone's pants but almost like a, a conscious <laughs> a, a raising of consciousness and they and they they all said this was i thought was very interesting that after that uh that usa today article came out where it got national press coverage then the floodgates opened it says it's as if people go Oh my God! Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we saw that. Huh. You know, and it. Was... Do you think that's a collective like? It's it's inexplicable, so I don't know what to say. And then like once someone validates it, you can talk about it, or is it like 
something washed over the crowd. I think they, what Bryce yeah. is saying is that the craft or the intelligence behind the craft had an influence on the the, the human minds. Right. Yeah. Right. Almost like some strange kind of consci conscientious psychic experience yeah some washover that uh hmm. that uh you know and you know it's it, this is interesting too uh kurt russell yeah. who was flying into sky harbor international i honestly that thought you night. were gonna say kurt loader and i was <laughs> no. like kurt loader was involved no <laughs> had that same experience this is a trip check this out so um, while most of the witnesses viewed the Phoenix lights from the ground, at least one person saw them from the sky. Actor Kurt Russell, a certified pilot, he was flying his son Oliver to Phoenix when he observed six glowing objects flying in a huh. V formation over Sky Harbor Airport. We were on approach to the airport. Oliver Hudson. Russell told BBC. That would be Oliver Hudson. Yeah, that's right. We're the maybe actor at, Oliver Hudson. That's right, Michael. Uh, we're maybe Wait, at, so who? <laughs> Oliver Hudson. I'm not saying uh, it again. We're maybe I'm not a, falling for that. Trap. We're maybe a half a mile out, and Oliver said, "Pa, what are those lights?" Russell says he had been daydreaming and hadn't been paying attention to him. And then I kind of came out of my reverie and I said, "I don't know what they are. Are we okay here?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm going to call it in." So he does. The flight controller said they couldn't see anything on their radar, which matches what we reported. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm going to declare it unidentified. It's flying. It's six objects, Russell said. Afterward, he landed the plane, dropped off his son, and flew back to L.A., where he lives with his longtime partner, actress Goldie Hawn. I never said a word, Russell remarked, and I never thought of it. Two years later, he continued, Goldie's watching a television show, and the show's on UFOs. Russell paid no attention to the program until the subject turned to the Phoenix Lights, and I'm watching this, he said, and I'm feeling like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third <laughs> Kind, because throughout the film, Dreyfus's character is plagued by an image of a mountain, which he recognizes as Devil's Tower in Wyoming once he sees the landmark on the news. It's like, why do I know this? And finally... They said that a general aviation pilot reported the Phoenix lights upon landing, and I thought, that was me! Oh that was gosh. me! Russell checked his logbooks and continued and confirmed that he was flying into Sky Harbor on that night of the Phoenix lights, and although he saw the lights, he made no reference to them in his log. Hmm. The fascinating part of that to me is that it just went literally out of my head. He said, Oliver never mentioned it. And had I not seen that show, I'd have never thought of it again. It's crazy to me that you wow. can't, like, why would you not immediately, I would be talking about that the, the minute I got yeah. on well, the I ground. I think what they're saying is yeah. like, it's like, yeah, so that's, that's, that's part that's of the strange thing. phenomena. Of yeah, Snake it, Bliskin saw this fucking thing. Snake Bliskin would get back in that plane and fly directly into <laughs> the mothership. Yeah. Escape from Phoenix. into yeah. the hatch and fucking punch those aliens in the yeah. face. But it's almost as if this thing passed over you. Your, your mind was being reprogrammed to a higher consciousness. You know what I mean? And you'd yeah. only be awakened up to it later till you read yeah. it. You know what was newspaper. really strange? Weird. You know what's really strange? And I've heard about this when people have talked about like witnessing stuff like this or having close encounters, having a difficult time speaking about it. Mm -hmm. I remember when I saw the uh, figure at the window that my dogs woke up barking mm -hmm. about. I remember when, it, the, when I talked to my brother-in-law about it, who was the first person I called that morning. I remember... It was, and it wasn't out of like embarrassment or how do I articulate this? It, it, there was something very strange about that that went along with it where I felt like I was almost choking on my own words. Yeah, words Talking fail about you. it yeah. was really hard. It, it was like 
I was speaking like this, like it couldn't. I was going to say you're doing it right now. Yeah, no, I mean that that was yeah. that was that's what it was like, as if the thought did not want to come out of my mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah, and it was really weird. Like it, I don't know. There's something I don't there's know. Some, yeah, that's why you know I love to talk about it. There's something at play here. So but I'm going to go back to what Scott said yeah. earlier, which is okay. What is this? What's the ex- explanation? To go back to what you said the, towards the beginning of the show, mm. which was if it's us from the future or if it's this thing we don't fucking know any of this stuff they've sure. got like we were you know they've they're so far advanced mm-hmm. we don't know the rules that they are playing right from right. playing you know they were playing with you right. know we we don't fucking know mm. i mean you've got to look at you've got to look down at us you know um and imagine what we must our brains trying to comprehend something that we can't comprehend when you see those craft and you know i don't know if this happened in the phoenix lights but a lot of documented ufos are crafts that are moving impossibly fast impossibly just stopping and turning left and going the speed of sound that yeah. way you know well like doing all this stuff that we're just like well we don't know how to do that how is that possible and imagine yeah. like maybe from our perspective we see um seven to eight crafts when really those seven to eight crafts are part of one giant craft that is in our dimension, another dimension, and maybe thousands of parallel dimensions all at one time. Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing the fingers to a larger hand that's right. invisible. The that possibilities that, are endless. You know what I mean? Really that is. like this doesn't. This might just be how they appear as they break through our dimension. Right. But across space time and d- parallel dimensions, it might look like a fucking giant black tesseract. With, right. Like, so why? No, so what's what? So let me ask, let me ask you this. Um, what's the purpose? Of and I, I mean I, I know an answer, but what's the purpose of the government or people that we rely on to investigate things like this to say, eh, don't worry about that, that's nothing. Well, we have. I mean, I have my theory that I've said on the show multiple times, and it's a times, good one. Yeah, but I want to hear yours first. Well, I mean, I think I, I I have the whole mayhem theory, which is if you if you acknowledge right. that it's real, if you acknowledge that you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's not us. We don't know what that is. You should be frightened. Well, yeah. I think because well, that's, fo- that's I think mayhem. the follow up question to that from the press or the American people: How are, long has this been going? Well, on? Right. is so. What are you guys doing to protect yeah. us from that? Right, right. And they'll go. Uh, well, are you doing your job? Yeah, and they can go. Uh, we can't. Yeah. Suddenly, government military is rendered irrelevant. Right. Um, they can't protect. They us. can't protect us. Yeah. And so th- then, then. We, then, then we have a real fucking problem. Right, that's chaos because I mean, that's, it, it mm. it's created a paradigm which the government has admitted that it's it its institution yeah. is irrelevant. It can't protect us, so they will never They'll ever never fucking do it. Do yeah. it. Right. Well, I'm better ufologists than us pinpoint the kind of like the time and place where where really the cover up started, and it was really in 1947 yeah, and that Roswell, Roswell crash, yeah, yeah. and that's really kind of that really kind of started and kicked off the hey, let's kind of keep this to ourselves, mm-hmm. let's not let this cat out of the bag just quite yet, mm-hmm. and it's been snowballing ever since. Yeah, mm-hmm. 70 years. Yeah. It's easier to, to discredit, put out disinformation. You know, discount. they call it, they call it the lost century. You know, that yeah. lost century of technology that we could have had that zero point energy that could have been helping to feed this planet and keep uh keep energy out oh, of oil and coal and know. you know the lost century but uh yeah very interesting it's stuff, fascinating stuff. Nuts, nuts. good story bryce thank, thank you story. and uh scott great guest yeah thank I you so much I tried my best um we have to wrap up another club session unfortunately uh where it's uh it's uh, it's we're in june right now what's going on uh where can people find you 
Uh, is there anything coming up you want to plug? <sighs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, we go back. You and I go back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which will be airing yeah, this fall awesome. on CW. Um, and then, um, yeah, other than that, I'm just I'm developing some of my own stuff and, and you know, filming other things. Who knows when that will be available to be mm-hmm. seen. Awesome. But you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Scott M. Foster. Sweet. Scott hey, M. can Foster. people find that short you and Pete did with Mikey? Yeah, you know what? That will be up on Amazon. You, okay. you, uh, Amazon video, yeah, yeah. Or whatever you, you can watch. Because our old one, um, there's so we have one called Must Feed and Water that's up there right now, and then the next one with Pete Gardner, who's also in Crazy X and, and the voice on, of Sassy the Sasquatch. That's right. He and I did a short <laughs> film called uh, Wake the Riderless Horse, which you can. It was in the festival circuit now, and I'm hoping we can get that on Amazon soon. It's great. Keep an eye out for that. I highly recommend it. Um, uh, Riley. Um, uh, Spindrift's going on tour soon That's correct uh, Throughout uh, a couple of weeks in July So check that out We're Coming to a city Sweet. near you Yeah, check them out on Spotify Or iTunes, wherever yeah, you can find we, them We have a new single that just uh, was just released in India Oh, great With a Bollywood singer Oh, oh no way awesome. wow. What's it called? Uh, I, uh, it's, I, I don't know how to <laughs> pronounce it <laughs> All right. I don't Fair speak enough. Hindi That's, that's <laughs> true wow. She did the title Oh, but, that's cool Yeah, I mean, it's the one that's in Hindi Okay, so got it So check that it's out Spindrift, wow. parentheses The one that's in <laughs> Hindi Hindi song uh, And uh Bobcat Show, you're coming out July. Yeah, Misfits and Monsters airing on uh, True TV uh, July 11th. So I think mine will be July 18th, okay, uh, great. which is my son's birthday. And check us out on our social media accounts. Uh, we're on Twitter at Bigfoot underscore C Club and uh, on Instagram and Facebook. We do a great job at adding pictures and photos to these uh, to go along with these stories. Sweet. Uh, that's great. And um, let's see. Oh, my new comic book adventure van will be uh, in comic book stores this August. Go to your local mm. comic shop. Order it, please. Uh, we're doing five issues to kick off the run and hopefully many more after that. Yeah. Um, I should be at Comic-Con. In fact, uh, well, you and I will be, I will be yeah. down there for sure oh, doing nice. yeah. uh, a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live show. performance yep, live oh, show. on July 24th and San Di- 1st in San Diego. I believe tickets have gone on sale. I believe so. You can go to Rachel Bloom's go to, uh, website. Yeah, but um, if, you, if you're down for Comic-Con, come see me. I'll be signing with Golden Apple, I'm sure. I don't have all the details yet. Still a, a month out um uh, and i'll let you know as we get closer uh but come see the show down in san diego yes, it's do. a fucking great time it's, <laughs> it's so a, much fun it's a funny musical show it's, it's great it's a good time that's yeah. awesome so come check us out uh once again i want to thank scott michael foster for yes. being here thank you guys um as i often do uh and i apologize i would definitely want to thank uh, uh uh often forget i want to thank riley bray our our producer and uh, Sun Eaters <laughs> for our theme music from the song Come Alone, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Please check out their work. It's really great. And uh, yeah, until next week, we remain the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Keep your eyes on the skies, everybody. Yeah. Keep um, looking up. Yeah. And uh, check out our Patreon if you want for some bonus episodes and to support the show. Yeah. Love you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.
Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.